there are times in our lives when we look around and wonder, is this all there is? Sometimes it's just a passing question. Other times it can seem to nag at us forever. We look at our life, our circumstances, and we want more. There's a restlessness, a searching, a longing for something else. Some might call it a midlife crisis. It can make us do crazy things, this searching and seeking. We get a new job, a new car, a new relationship. Maybe we take up a new hobby or go on a trip or work extra hours. But in the end, not really anything changes. Because it's not really about the circumstances of our life, is it? It's about us. This restlessness, this desire for something more, generally means that we have been living our lives at the shallow end of the pool. Life and relationships have become superficial. We've just been skimming across the surface. In some ways, we have discovered that life at the surface is easier, it's more efficient, and it's encouraged and rewarded by much of the world today. But life on the surface keeps us judging those circumstances of our lives. We find ourselves looking at our circumstances as this picture. And if it's a pretty pleasing picture, and it shows us what we want to see, then God is good, and life is as it should be. When we do not see what we want, then we often look for some new picture. However, as you can most likely attest to, this restless searching, this longing for more, this desire for meaning are not usually answered by simply changing these circumstances of our lives. Instead, that answer is to be found in depth, intimacy, vulnerability, things which for many of us can make our palms start sweating just by thinking about them. We do not need to see new things. We need to see the same old things with new eyes. We don't need to hear a different voice. We need to hear the same old voice with different ears. We don't need to escape the circumstances of our life. We need to be more fully present to those circumstances. And when this happens, life is no longer just lived at the surface. These become the transfigured moments. Moments when the picture of our life has become a window into a new world and we can finally come face to face with nothing less than the glory of God. Most of us, I think, do seek God in the circumstances of our lives. We want God to show up, to be present, to do something that is the God who does. After all, it's the God we read about in scripture is the one who does things. 
This is the God described in Mark's gospel right up to the point of today's gospel reading. We might think about this as the first part of the spiritual journey. It's the journey of discovering God in those circumstances of life. And that's what the disciples have been doing ever since they first encountered Jesus. They have seen Jesus cast out demons, heal Peter's mother-in-law, cure the sick of Capernaum. He's cleansed the leper and made a withered hand new and strong. Paralytics now walk, the blind now see, thousands are fed. This is the God we like to talk about. In today's world, this is the God who goes viral and would break the internet by all the likes and the shares that God would get. But at some point, however, we must begin to discover the God who is beyond these life circumstances, the God who is. That's the second part of the spiritual journey. Jesus is leading Peter, John, and James up the mountain to discover the God who is beyond simply what the world can see. Here, their pictures of life's circumstances will become windows by which they will move into the depths of God's life, God's light, God's love. There on the mountain, they saw Jesus transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzlingly white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. The cloud overshadows them, and the Father's voice spoke of his beloved Son. Peter wants to build dwelling places. He wants to frame Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. It's good for us to be here, he says. He wants to preserve it. He wants to make it a picture. But pictures are static. On the Mount of Transfiguration, our pictures of life circumstances become windows through which we step into this new world. A new way of seeing, a new way of hearing, a new way of being. That is what happened for Peter, John, and James. Jesus did not suddenly light up and become something he was not. No, their eyes were healed and opened so that they can see Jesus as he had always been. The voice in the cloud was not new. Instead, their ears were opened, and they heard the voice that has never ceased speaking since from the beginning of creation. This transfiguration is as much about them as it is about Jesus. Whenever our picture of life circumstances becomes a window into new life, we stand in a transfigured moment. The circumstances have not changed. We have changed. And that seems to change everything. These transfigured moments really are all around, I believe. Every one of us could tell a story about stepping back from this picture of our life, seeing with new eyes, listening with different ears, and discovering a window that opened into another world and another way of being. As you're aware, the clergy and the delegates of the Diocese of Alabama met for our annual convention this past week in Montgomery. And of course, it was wonderful to be together and to do the business work of the church. 
But I have to say, I was not necessarily transfigured by going over our diocesan budget. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily transfigured by the music we sang or by the flashy videos we watched. But I did find myself in a transfigured moment in a way and at a place that I was not expecting. The delegates were invited to tour the Equal Justice Initiative's Legacy Museum on Thursday, the first day of the convention. I went not really knowing what to expect. And having grown up in Mississippi, I went thinking that I already knew all there was to know about racism and the history of the civil rights movement in Alabama. But what I saw and what I learned has opened a window into a new way of understanding this world in which I have lived my entire life. A world that I always assumed was one way, but that I now know is much more complex. And the fact that this diocese, one that's own history is rich and intertwined with the civil rights movement in Alabama, both for good and for bad, the fact that we have placed such a deliberate emphasis on racial healing and reconciliation gives me hope. And I know that God will use these seemingly small individual experiences to start working on wider healing in our world. And I'm excited to be able to play some small part of that. Who knows, maybe perhaps you will find your own transfigured moments in one of our monthly sacred ground dinners or during our Lenten book study on Wednesday evenings. Because I believe these windows into the divine really are everywhere, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. But of course, since we're human, we often want to go back to those transfiguring events which we have experienced. We're tempted to build these dwelling places for these moments. But booths and dwelling places will only keep us in the past. To the extent we cling on to the past, we close ourselves to the future that God offers. So Jesus, Peter, John, and James had to come back down that mountain. They couldn't stay there. But in a way, they never really left because in their hearts and in their memories, they took that mountain with them. And that is what would carry them through the passion and crucifixion to the resurrection. These transfigured moments change us. They sustain us, prepare us, encourage us, and guide us into the future, regardless of the circumstances that we face. They show us who we are, the transfigured people of God. So open your eyes and see a transfigured world. Open your ears and hear a transfigured voice. Open your heart and become a transfigured life. Because every picture of life is an open window that says, no, this is not all that there is. Amen.